Doom. I am your Cypher Dylan, and join me as we look back on the rich history of Doom Metal and its sister sounds based on the recounted tales of its followers. Every week, we'll have a different guest to spin their yarn. You can visit the website at diaryofdoom.com, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, follow the podcast on diaryofdoom.podbean.com, and subscribe and listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and wherever else you can stream podcasts from. And if you have a question or whatever, you can fire off an email to diaryofdoom1968 at gmail.com. Back in the swing of things after a long respite of <laughs> not recording because I have a uh, massive amount of free time on my hands thankfully that the weather has been turning it's been much nicer uh and joining us for this week's chapter is shannon hodges and shannon like myself is a, a fellow fan of music and a whole bunch of other nonsense and uh, <laughs> just happy to have uh another you know as i said uh human perspective on things just been like talking to band after band after band which is great i love talking to bands they're rad people but sometimes it's it's good to get back and see it from a more fan perspective so like what is your like earliest what are your earliest experiences with with music Have you always been like a musically inclined person yeah i, I mean ever since i was a, a young kid um my dad used to play a lot of a lot of like funk and soul and um you know, like I remember the Commodores, Earth, Wind and Fire, like Michael Jackson off the wall, that kind of stuff. And then as I got into grade school, um, this is in the, the mid 80s, you know, the, the height of Madonna and MTV and all that hard rock. And I grew up in Northern California. So mm -hmm. there was a big, um, you know, rock or uh, metal fandom, even even that early. And around 1984, I heard probably Jump in Panama for the first time. And I just fell in love with Van Halen. And that that's stayed with me <laughs> all of these years. But yeah, like I remember in, in grade school, like every every kid had a band. Like there was the Judas Priest kid and the Twisted Sister kid. And I was the Van Halen kid. So that was that was me. So um, yeah, I've I've always had a thing for music, and then I, I went to college up in in uh, the the Pacific Northwest, uh, right at the beginning of grunge. So I had I had the opportunity to see that kind of blow up and get exposed to punk, um, and, and it, like the start of doom, but I didn't even know it. Like I had seen the Melvins, I'd seen uh, Caius perform, but I wasn't really into them at the time. You know, years go on, I get introduced to Clutch. That took me down a, a whole new path. Uh, I met my husband. He turned me on to bands that I'd never heard before, like Sepultura. And we've just been kind of riding that 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 train ever since. That's a pretty wicked, like, trajectory to go from, like, <laughs> Northern California, like, peak, just, like, you know, sleaze rock and hair metal and all that. And then just to, like, see it all of that like kind of get killed off by grunge and then mm -hmm. um uh, and then sort of like you know grunge being kind of like the last major underground to go mainstream movement before new metal came in and just kicked everyone's ass because that's when you just like birthed all of that really underground punk rock and metal scene a lot of it coming out of those specific areas yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it was, it was wild to see the transition. Um, like you said, being in 
Northern California during that, you know, that 80s hair metal. And then literally seeing it just die off within like a year was just crazy, crazy, crazy. So, yeah, um, it's it's been an interesting trajectory. <laughs> and now, like, you know, for like us as music fans, it's like everything's kind of, it's just come full circle and people are looking into bands that, you know, that they wouldn't have known, like they would years before their time. And then, you know, you have other people kind of coming around and seeing how maybe something wasn't uh, super big or like successful or appreciated in the right way. And it's like, there's like no more boundaries, you know, like in terms of like oh. what you should be listening to and, and whatnot, or at least I feel like those are going away. Oh, I, I agree a hundred percent. Um, going back to like high school and, and stuff like back in my school like everyone was was very much segregated with their their music like there were there were the rock kids there were the rock kids there was the the we called them new wavers but they were like the emo goth kids of of the day you know and and then there were the people that just didn't listen to music or they only listen to pop music so but no one like ever like would would go into someone else's genre most times now, like I just came back from Psycho, and uh, oh, shoot, I mean, we had we had Danzig, we had Midnight, we had Exodus, Cannibal Corpse, Giza, uh, you know, Drab Majesty. I mean, just everything from all over creation, and it it totally worked, and everyone was, you know, open for new experiences. And to your point, like I I I made my my battle vest, and I've got, you know uh mf doom on there <laughs> you know sitting right next to to helen so yeah it's it's all the the barriers are, are melting and people i think are getting much more exposed to different genres of music that they never would have before so i think it's great i agree and you know undoubtedly you know a huge part of like just the internet and how that has completely like changed like fan culture and how information gets out there and everything it's i always when i talk to like a lot like older band people they always talk about tape trading and stuff like yep. that and that's how they like kind of found their you know their calling and whatnot and that's mm -hmm. just like you know i'm from the age i'm from the age of when it started out as like a burn cd like we thought that was fucking the coolest <laughs> thing ever and, and whatnot but you know and then obviously you get to your iPods and streaming and playlists and where we are now. And even though there is sort of a, there, well, not that there sort of is, there is a call for physical because people still like the physical product. You know, I, I didn't expect tapes to come back into Vogue, let alone VHS. <laughs> yeah, that, that caught me by surprise for sure. You know, going back to the tape trading thing, I absolutely did that with my, my friends. I, I grew up in a, I was an only child. So my parents were very like, into what I was doing and you know whenever I said oh I want to go to the record store and buy this like well are you just buying it for one song because you really should just know more than just one song when you spend you know your 9.99 on a tape <laughs> so I would I would have friends like make me copies of tapes or they would make me a mixtape and that's how I heard Metallica for the first time how I heard of bands like Bauhaus and um well, like Love and Rockets and um you know, a lot of those, those early goth bands. Um, but yeah, I mean, going and talking about physical media, I, even, even when I was in, in college and after that, I had a very small record collection. 
along with my, you know, hundred and some odd CD collection. But now that seat, that record collection, I think is blown up to about like 500 records. So yeah, to your point, I mean, there is something to be said for, <laughs> no. uh, um, it, it, there, there is something to be said for, for the, the physical. And, and to be honest, I, I do wish I had kept all of my cassettes. <laughs> Yeah, I, have, like, I mean, two giant bins of CDs in the garage, but yeah, the the physical stuff is is very important. Most of the CDs I get now wind up going into the car because um, mm -hmm. it's like I just don't even ha I don't even have a computer with a fucking CD player, and uh, I don't <laughs> I even know. I I don't want to risk my Xbox and and putting it in there because somehow I don't think that's going to work either. Um, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> It's weird. I I feel like the ultimate hipster right now because I have a stack of tapes and no tape player. So it's just like I'm like, ooh, look at this. Uh, I think that's great. I think that's awesome. So hopefully there'll be one showing up relatively yes. soon. Okay, so you grew up. So you grew up in Northern California. You know, mm -hmm. moved up to the Pacific Northwest, and like, so like, what? Um, I guess in starting out in like. Northern California and then the going up North, like what were your like go-to venues and like kind of like what was like this, what what was like the scene around there? Was it, was it, I'm assuming not much like it is now. Like I feel like the Pacific Northwest scene has really blossomed tons in the last like, you know, 20, 30 years. Oh, for sure. For sure. So I went to school in Eugene, Oregon, which is like, if you have, Seattle, which is like right at the Washington um, Canada border, then you have Portland, which is at the Oregon Washington border. Um, Eugene is about two hours south, like kind of dead center of the state. So we're kind of like the tail end geographically of of the Pacific Northwest. So, um, and I was in college at the time. I I was a good girl. I didn't have a fake ID, so. <laughs> I turned 21 when I um, was in my senior year of college. So there wasn't a whole lot of like, let's go to this bar and see this band. Um, the Wow Hall, that was a place I went to quite a bit in Eugene. Um, Portland, I think was like the, I wanna say the, I wanna say the Rosemont, but I could be wrong about that. I didn't see a whole lot. I think I saw COC and Monster Magnet there one night. And then I think I saw uh, a Rollins spoken word there as well. I also didn't have a car. So mm. I was very much reliant on friends to like get me to places and, and having friends that were into the same music I was. Thankfully, the UVO campus would occasionally have bands um, that would play. So I would see them at the, the EMU uh, student union, the EMU as we called it. <laughs> but, you know, when bigger bands would come into town, it was always to Portland. It was always to Salem. And those were, you know, Salem was at least an hour's drive. And that, that may have been across the country when you don't have a car. So I wasn't as, I wasn't going to shows as frequently as I would have liked, put it that way. And, mm. and you know, I don't have, I don't have a good, like, no, I saw Nirvana at this little tiny club and standing next to me was Kim Sale from Soundgarden. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have anything cool like that. <laughs> but I'm assuming like since then you've probably, you know, now that you like have access to a driver's license and a vehicle <laughs> and substantial income, I'm sure that that uh, Im impacted you on being able to see a lot more shows. I know it did for me. And I mean, oh. I'm 
like blessed by living close to New York and public mm-hmm. transportation, which, you know, is not always ideal. Let's be fucking sure. real about it. <laughs> um, but like, it's convenient for where I live that it was like easy enough to get around to totally. in and out of the city versus other side of the country, which I understand, you know, it's right. a lot of driving, you need a car. <laughs> so after college, I ended up moving out to Albuquerque. So that's where I am now. And we're starting to get Albuquerque has always been one of those places where bands will come here if they're on the way up or if they're on the way down, you know, like 38 special will play at the casino, you know, kind of, <laughs> kind of place. But at the same time, like, you know, in um, 2020, I can tell you who I was supposed to see. I was supposed to see Intronaut, Monolord, Yob, Baroness against me. Um, I'm trying to think who else. I mean, it was just stacked as far as like the band that I went into that were coming to town. They were coming to Sister Bar, the Launchpad, El Rey Theater, the Sunshine Theater. So there's definitely, um, I don't i don't know if I want to say scene, um, but there's definitely a market for those kinds of bands and those types of shows to to play here and to draw uh, quite a few people. I mean, there was, it's a Mastodon and um, Eagles of Death Metal at this little venue. It was amazing. It was incredible. So yeah, there's, there's, pluses and minuses to to being where I am where we're not gonna get like you know Metallica playing the Enormo Dome or whatever you know it we're not that yeah. big <laughs> we got Foo Fighters but we're not like we're not New York we're not LA so we get our share and thankfully there's places like Psycho <laughs> that can get me to see people that I normally wouldn't get to see you know, since you've brought it up, we could probably just like jump like into that, like, because, you know, something that we have in common is we're both psycho veterans, so to speak, you know, <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not as deep in it. And I'm not sure if you're as deep in it as some other people that have been going since like year one, which I know, right. I know you're out there for sure. Um, <laughs> both of us went in 2019. Um, yeah. But you went this year after the festival mm-hmm. was postponed last year for obvious reasons. What was, what was that like, you know, cause just, uh, I feel like the vibe I was getting, like everybody seemed like they were just thirsty for live music. And also, as everyone knows, there was a little bit of unnecessary drama leading up to it. That was very <laughs> stupid. Yes. Honestly, it was awesome. It was amazing. Um, yeah, it was a little, a little odd, you know, walking around, uh, with a mask in the casino, but, you know, the, the first day we did Psycho Swim. So all outside, everyone felt pretty comfortable, you know, not wearing a mask. So everyone's by pool, listening to music, having just an amazing time. It was wonderful. So then the next three days it was all indoor venues or all, I'm sorry, three indoor venues, one outdoor venue. And the, the, the mandate from Las Vegas was that, you know, you, if you're inside, you have to wear a mask. Did everyone abide? No, but I would say about 50% of people did, which to be honest, kind of blew my mind. I was pleasantly surprised at like the number of masked people. Um, If people were really skittish about like, hey, I I just want to like keep distance. People were very respectful. Um, I I didn't see any like real like harassment or anyone giving anyone a lot of shit about, oh, look at you wearing your mask. Nothing like that. I know for myself, like I wore my mask, I'd say 90% of the time. Obviously I'm not when I'm, you know, drinking or eating. Sunday night was a little, (laughs) was a little hard just because it was the last night of Psycho. You know, you're getting into 1am, 2am at that, that Rhythm and Riffs bar. 
and oh look here comes matt pike oh look here comes uh dixie from from weed eater so yeah drinks start flowing you forget to put the mask back on but really for the most part everyone was very well behaved very uh very cool about the whole thing and honestly it it was fine it, it really was if anybody wants to know i double vaxxed and um so is my husband we don't have any kids and i think we you know, quarantine for like a few days afterwards, just to make sure that we hadn't uh, been exposed. And we were fine. I, I had no problems. With it. I felt totally fine. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, I probably personally wouldn't have felt super comfortable uh, going to something like that. Uh, I mean, mm -hmm. I just went back to my first shows like last week. And uh, that was already kind of a strange uh, sure. feeling, you know, mm -hmm. you haven't done it for a year and a half. Mm -hmm. You're in a small space with you know, it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a smaller scene out here in New York. A lot of people know each other, but there's still a lot of people you don't know. And it's just like, sure. it's kind of weird. Cause it's like, you know, you're technically, you're okay to do it because, you know, if, if you're vaxxed, like, like we are. Um, but I'm like, ah, this is still like strange. Like forgot to tip the bartender first time around. I'm like, I'm not used to doing this, you know? <laughs> oh, um, sure. Sure. It, it's just a matter of like getting back into, um, I don't want to say normalcy, but it's getting back to what what it was like before. And it does feel a little weird just because you're not used to it. And then you start thinking about, you know, the kind of the consequences and the, the you know, you just you just want to be a good human is right. what it comes down to. And like, am I being a good human by doing this? Are we cool? Is this fine? And yeah, I, I completely understand. Yeah. So like, I've talked to... Uh... I've talked to a couple of people who have been going, you know, multiple years and whatnot. So we we went the last year that it was at the Hard Rock. And then mm -hmm. obviously like Mandalay Bay is where it's at now. And they're like, it's a, you know, it's a pretty big difference. Mandalay is a fucking, you know, huge place. I got lost constantly. Like I didn't get mad <laughs> about it. I just was like, you know, you're drinking, you're fucking smoking weed all day. And I'm like, oh, I still haven't figured out which way is the right way, but whatever. As long as I wind up where I'm going, I'm I'm good, you know. So yeah. and hey, it kept me away from a bunch of people. So like maybe it was <laughs> smart for me in the future, um, and, if I ever go back. Yeah, and, and to be honest, yeah, I mean there were still all those sort of uh, issues. You know, the, the first day the the merch room was open. I mean there was a huge huge line, and there were some some hiccups in terms of. Um, you know, people being able to, to run the, the register and, and card swiping right. properly. But honestly, everyone had such a good attitude. Everyone, like you said, it was just so thirsty to like be around music, be around people wearing vests and black t-shirts. And we were willing to like put up with so much shit just to be like, oh my God, this is like, this is how it used to be. This is great. This is awesome. I mean, really, it was just a bunch of really cool people all around. There was there, I didn't see like, anyone flip out of like fuck this shit i'm going home <laughs> none of that everyone was just very cool no we we got all that uh that, <laughs> all that got fucking you know, jerked off before the thing happened so i think everyone yeah. was kind of relieved that all that nonsense like played out the way it played out um you know whatever whatever anyone's opinion is about that i certainly didn't think much of uh mr wino's uh <laughs> comments uh, yeah. just being not yeah. being a team player you know, and it's want to happen for any kind of festival that has like a following or whatever and people talk and whatnot. But it was, mm -hmm. I was surprised that I didn't see as much like complaining this year. You know, there's always sticks in the mud with Psycho Las Vegas is what I've noticed. 
Oh yeah, yeah. So I've only been to two. I've been to nineteen and then um, twenty one. And yeah, all the sticks in the mud came out when uh, you know all the European bands canceled. And it was, yeah, of you course. Know, well, if if you know Satricarian's not coming, I'm not gonna have a good time. All right, you're lost. <laughs> I'm still have a, having a good time. <laughs> Yeah, and honestly, like, by the time they put out the final lineup, I was like, damn, I was like, you know, if there wasn't all this oh, other, yeah. if, like, I hadn't just moved and all this other bullshit going on, I'm like, I, I could be talked into going this for sure. It was a good lineup. Oh, for sure, for sure. And that's one of the things I really like about about Psycho is that the, the lineups are so diverse that even if you don't recognize the, the artist's odds are you're going to have a good time. I mean, I think there was only maybe one artist that I saw this last time that I was like, that really wasn't for me. But everything else, like, I, I, I'm i not a death metal person. I'm just, I'm not a death metal, not a black metal person. I love stoner and doom and um, that sort of stuff. So me, you know, sticking around to see Pig Destroyer and uh, Cannibal Corpse, I mean, these are, these are bands that like, yeah, I've heard of them and I've kind of heard a little bit of their music, but to sit down and listen to a 30 minute set, I would never have done that otherwise. And I came away saying, huh, these are all right. I like this. Yeah, we did that with, um, we were just, we had like a stretch time. We're like, all right, there's like three overlaps. You want to just like hit mm -hmm. the other ones that we just like want, we want and to go see. We're like, let's go see what Tomb Mold is about. And we were like, damn. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I think I like death metal now. <laughs> Right? Yeah. Like for, for me, like my big, like, oh my God moment was uh, midnight. Like I'd never heard of them. I wasn't familiar with them at all. And now I am, I am all in on midnight. I can't get enough of, oh my God, that was just so good. I mean, just totally blown away. It was such a throwback sound and the, the hoods, the, the bullet belt, all of it was just, uh, uh incredible, just incredible. Yeah, I do enjoy them. They're la the last record they put out, which I I don't know if it came out earlier this year or not. I I literally don't remember. I'm so behind on so much of my music, but the most whatever the most recent release was, I was like, damn, this is really actually pretty fucking yeah. rad. Yeah, I mean, I thought the production value on it was was superb. It was so good, so so good. Yeah, they've got like that total like Venom vibe. Yes, yes, for sure. I love it. I I hope they come back next year. Uh, hopefully i have given the opportunity to see them at some point i have seen them a couple of times just like scheduling didn't work out that i was like all right just you know unfortunately you're the opener i couldn't make it to to see out in right. time when i went in 19 it was like the lineup was just like it was just a lot of heavy fucking shit um yeah what they didn't like do as kind of like the experimental picks like you know jizzer drab majesty and shit like that like that to me would have been rad but for me uh you know just seeing like warhorse was rad like they were yeah. super awesome like that the house of blues was like the place to be that place sounded really good yeah yeah it, it did this this past year too yeah i i had never heard of warhorse and again another one of those bands that just like I, my jaw dropped these guys are amazing phenomenal i remember seeing mork there that was that yep. was quite a uh i think they played at like 11 a.m on a saturday that was yeah it was awesome <laughs> that was quite the wake up yeah, that that line. I mean, I, I remember I, you know, went full on nerd, whipped out my phone and started taking notes of every band that I saw so I could remember, okay, you know, this band was great. And this band was awesome. Royal Thunder. I remember them being just uh, amazing too. Uh, truck Fighters. I'd never seen Truck Fighters before. I'd always wanted to see them. Yob. Um, God, they were so good. 
I mean, everyone is, was that lineup for me personally was just jaw droppingly good. They were just incredible. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think kind of goes without saying like, and I was, I feel lucky that I got to see that power trip set in the pool. Like I'll always say that that was like, <sighs> yeah, perfection. Right. And of course I wasn't, I had never heard of power trip. I, I didn't go, I, I'm trying to remember what I was seeing at that time, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely kicking myself for not, for not seeing a uh, power trip at that show. Yeah, my, my girlfriend went to go see Opeth because it was like her birthday and mm. we had been out like celebrating the whole weekend and she was like, I got to go see Opeth though. And I was just like, okay, I can't. <laughs> I <laughs> no, I get it. I, get I have it. to see this nonsense at the pool. <laughs> now, uh, like you said, you know, you're kind of in a great situation where uh, you're with a partner who also loves to go to shows. And that's like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm lucky in the same way. That, like, I mean, my my girlfriend and I, we met at a show. We met at a oh. Weedier concert. Aw. So, um, <laughs> like, do you have any show memories that, like, you just had a night where it went absolutely to the pits? And maybe you look back on it kind of funny. And you have, like, one that was just kind of, like, a really amazing experience. Oh my gosh. So amazing experience. Like I might, oh gosh, there's probably so many I can, I can list, but I'll, I'll, remember, I'll talk about two. The first one was probably one of the best shows that I'd, I'd seen uh, up until that point. It was, is Babes in Toyland, the Melvins and White Zombie at the Salem what a Armory. weird lineup. I know. <laughs> I, I don't remember the Melvins and I'm upset about that. Babes in Toyland was, was, they were okay. And the white zombie just blew me away. And so this was like, you know, the mid nineties. And I'm like, wow, this is like as close as I'm ever going to get to like seeing Kiss live, like the pyrotechnics and the lights and everything. This is just, oh, I, I was blown away at like how you could really combine like really great music and a really great stage show. So that, that kind of blew my mind. Um, the second one actually was like scared <laughs> for my life and this is gonna sound really cheesy so um we're at this venue called the sunshine theater so there's like the uh, there's the, the pit area and then there's an over 21 area and at the time there were changing laws in the state as far as uh who who could have an alcoholic beverage at an all age venue? And how are you venue owner going to police this? So they had put up a chain link fence between the 21 and over and then the pit section. And we were there and we were in the, we're old people. So we, <laughs> we don't go down in the pit. So we're in the 21 and over section. We're right up against like the front there. And I think we were seeing stuck mojo Soulfly and Static X. And we're, because we love Sepultura, we were like, oh, we're all in on Soulfly. So we, we were there for Soulfly and like, oh, let's just see Static X for a minute and see how this goes. I have never seen such a violent pit in my entire life. I mean, those oh, really? chain link Yeah, I know, right? Of all the, the shows. I mean, that fence was just like waving back and forth, back and forth. And we're like, this is gonna break. We should leave. <laughs> so we <laughs> left. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was probably one of the more um, one of the more memorable shows for sure. Um, yeah, I've I personally have never had like a good. I don't do well with like big crowds. Like 
the first time I saw Van Halen, I was up against the barricade at the Cow Palace in San Francisco, like right up against the barricade. And the Cow Palace is like, this is like, that's the ginormo dome, the indoor place in the Bay Area that the giant bands go to. This is 1992. And I'm up against the barricade and people are pushing up against me and I'm starting to freak out. And I'm like, nope, nope, I'm, I'm leaving. And Eddie Van Halen was like, my guy, my hero, this is my band. And I, I am willfully walking away from it so yeah no more no more you know <laughs> front front row crowds for me and I think probably the most recent one that kind of blew my mind was actually seeing the misfits in 2019 hearing <laughs> all those songs for so long and then finally getting to see it live and <laughs> just seeing you know Doyle and Jerry just stomping around like monsters oh my gosh it was so much fun so, oh that was such a fun show it, I mean, I'm like originally from New Jersey, so I was just like, mm-hmm. yes, oh. this is a dream come true. I don't have to pay an extra $300 to see this band. Right. <laughs> like it just worked out so well. And I was just like, yeah, of course they broke Doyle's guitar pedal within the first like song. Like I was like, this is amazing. Right. And Jerry trips over his shoes as he's doing his knee slide. <laughs> Yeah, and I was just like, how the hell does this band have a backup guitar player? I know, <laughs> just sitting there in the dark. <laughs> and like, I say this from a point of, like a place of love. Like I had a great time oh, yeah. watching it. It was just, it was such a ludicrous uh, set. <laughs> it was just so ridiculous. Oh, I know, I know. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was definitely a, a fun show for sure. Yeah. And, and Dave Lombardo collected a lot of money that weekend for doing very Holy easy drumming. Yeah. <laughs> I could have played the drums. <laughs> yeah, that was. And that reminds me too. We, um, our honeymoon, we saw In Flames, Soulfly, and Slayer at the House of Blues at I think MGM Grand, and we. Yeah, of course, we were blown away by In Flames and Soulfly. We were in there for like three songs for Slayer, and we're like, I don't, I don't think we like this. this isn't, yeah, what's wrong with us? We're like metal people, and we're like, we're not into this. What's wrong with us? So, yeah, <laughs> we ended up bailing a few songs into Slayer, but yeah, we can, we can say that we saw Slayer and we saw the Misfits. <laughs> yes, I too have seen Slayer. I saw Slayer from probably about a mile away from the stage they were playing at at this big outdoor festival years ago. And I was just like, all right, I guess I've seen Slayer now. So right, I can, right. <laughs> so I can now say that I've seen every, I've seen three of the big four. So I oh, probably, I have never seen Metallica. I've had huh. more than an, more than a few opportunities to see them, but I'm just like, Yep, haven't seen them. I've always wanted to just go see someone else. Sure, sure. I know that they've been doing little pop-up shows recently. Like they I did, did one see in that, San- yeah. Yeah, they did one in San Francisco. They did one in Chicago. And I saw the set list. It was, there were more new songs on there that I would have, than I would have hoped to have seen. But hey, I'll, I'll take Metallica in a 500-seater, you know? <laughs> Me too. If they were going to tour, like, Ride the Lightning, like, as an anniversary tour and just play it straight through, I'd go in a heartbeat because oh, that album I was ass. having this conversation with my husband. Like, what if Metallica headlined Psycho, but they only promised to do the first three records? I would, yeah. I, I'm there. I'd be into that, yeah. Or just play, like, the the very first record, just straight oh, through. Cause, like, front to back? Absolutely. Yeah, front to back, the first one. Yep. With, like, with, like, uh, with, like, a fucking fuzzed out, 
um, like orange back cab. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. That still wouldn't erase the memories of, um, some kind of monster, but it would help. No, no. <laughs> oh. That movie just completely <laughs> like that movie ruined Metallica for me. I was just like, <laughs> Oh, you guys. <laughs> I know every time I think of, that movie, I think of the Death Clock uh, episode where their doctor is giving them banana stickers every time they do something good. <laughs> <laughs> see, now that's a band that I would love to see. I think it would be rad <laughs> to see them headline Psycho. It would be Death Clock because it's like oh. fucking, it's weird enough that it makes a lot of sense. Oh my God. And then have Corpse Grinder sing. That would be yes. great. <laughs> Guy kind of looks like him anyway. He's exactly. <laughs> Not as oh, impressive as a neck. <laughs> You're someone who has, seems like they have like, uh, they've had a lot of passions over the years. Like obviously heavy metal, rock and roll, like nerdy geek culture, craft beer, yep. small smush face <laughs> dogs, um, <laughs> which are awesome. For you as like, just like a fan, like what's it like to like navigate all those? Or is it just like a natural progression? Like you're like, oh, I really like this nerd stuff. And then like, you know, that's kind of adjacent to like heavy metal. Cause that all that stuff is like kind of dorky to some degree. And then there's this, you know, obviously there's the connection between craft and metal. And there's definitely, you know, craft beer nerds are nerds. And just dogs <laughs> seem to pop up everywhere in there because who doesn't like, smush face dogs right honestly that it wasn't it wasn't designed that just sort of that just all sort of happened like liking metal that started when i was young um i, I don't have any brothers and sisters so this was all like my pulling of, of things that i like and and staying with metal like all throughout my life the comic book thing and, and you know nerd culture i was never like the, the cheerleader normal kid. I mean, I know everyone says that, but I was way into like the X-Men cartoon and the tick and general weirdness, like from, from an early age. I mean, I met my husband at a comic book store and that was before <laughs> awesome. like any of the Marvel movies like started or anything. So there was always that sort of, um, I don't want to say counterculture, but maybe just like a little skewed you know, off the range. Um, the craft beer thing. I went to school in the Northwest. So of course I'm going to have it's <laughs> the like opportunity. Impossible. Right. Yeah. It's, you know, once, once you have like a, a well, a well-made, like, you know, um, Amber or, you know, a, a really nice stout and you attempt to go back to Bud Light, eh, what are you going to do? So no, for me, it was never a matter of snobbery. It was just, plain old taste um and the smush face dog oh he's just a little angel <laughs> i didn't even know that was a thing <laughs> oh, i've always wow. had dogs i i had dogs growing up and uh you know my husband and i have we've had many dogs together and and the 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 boston terrier was just the we wanted something that was cool and and um not as, just as fun as our boxers that we had, but maybe just a little smaller. So mm -hmm. <laughs> easier to, to transport and get around. Yes, exactly. And fit through the dog door. 
I mean, there's it, I I do love that like when there's like that funny crossover between people's pets and like their music. I'm always like kind of interested <laughs> to see like what kind of like pets musicians have. I mean, there's even that Instagram account like Dogs of Doom, which is just people posting their dogs and their little mm-hmm. little metal Hesher vests and yep. their records. Like it, it's great, you know. And I, I I it's not really like a counterculture. You said it's sort of like you know it's it's your off-brand stuff you know it's the things that everyone thought was like oh well that's not well and eventually that's the thing that just like entered the mainstream because after years of smashing down gatekeeping i mean there's still fucking gatekeepers out there obviously sure. but like you know it, it 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 just allows you to like put down any kind of like air of caution and be like oh i gotta check this out because it's fucking rad and it just that's how you learn and how you mm-hmm. like build your like you know your inner culture of yourself Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no growth without experimentation and, and trying to dive into to new things, whether it's just like checking out a new band or trying a new restaurant, or, you know, it's a food that you've never tried before. I mean, nothing is off limits. Nothing is, nothing should be off limits, I should say. You know, if you want to, if you want to venture out as to, to, to do something that's not like in your demographic or whatever, absolutely go do it i you know when i when i went to to psycho the first time i felt kind of out of place because i don't have any tattoos i'm kind of old you know I, and i didn't have like a battle vest or whatever and i was trying to be like a little different and i didn't wear any like rock shirts and i'm like god is this is this cool like is, is this gonna be weird and lame for me couldn't have been further for the truth everybody was just super cool super nice um, and just that whole vibe of, of, of everyone at the shows was very welcoming and that, you know, they didn't have to be, but at the same time, that's just how, how the vibe was. So it gave me the confidence to be like, no, you can do whatever you want. So like now on my, my best, I mean, I've, like I said, I've got MF Doom, Run the Jewels, and I've got like Joan Jet and Midnight. I have a mystery science theater patch. I mean, it's just, it's just all over the place. And that's just who I am. You yeah. be you. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of which, because <laughs> I too am a huge fan because yeah, uh, it's kind of how we just like started engaging back and forth a little bit more is about as our, our shared uh, love for mystery science theater 3000, which like, I know this has fucking nothing to do with doom metal. And I don't really give a shit because <laughs> yeah. like the show just rules and I've been watching more of it lately friend of mine that he's I've known him since the third grade he introduced it to me and like it just blew my mind like that this was I think it's like one of the most original ideas for a tv show and it's like it it like forever changed the way that I would watch movies because suddenly like I could be watching an amazing movie and I will still have like some kind of snark that I could throw at it you know and it's like Mm -hmm. almost kind of like an endearing thing to like for it at this point for me like even if I like something I'm still not like afraid to like you know ruffle the feathers a little bit but mm-hmm. it also just makes watching uh like you know atrocious garbage just like that much better when whether with them or you can kind of like openly make your own commentary about it and like so for me I grew up being a Mike fan I don't know like where mm-hmm. you're where you fall in the camps but I've been watching more Joel but I grew up I've grown up being a Mike fan Gotcha. See, and I, I was the opposite. I definitely grew up uh, a, a Joel fan. Um, I, You know how, how at the end of the episodes it says keep trading the tapes? I was yes. one of those tape traders. 
and you know, v VCR tapes are a little little more cumbersome <laughs> than the cassette tapes for for tape trading. So yeah, I I got into that in, in high school. Um, in my my dorm, like we would have mystery science theater nights, and we would just watch episodes. And um, yeah, I God. And then <laughs> um, Joel Hodgkins, the the actor that plays Joel Robinson, he came to a comic con here in town, and I I literally lost my shit. I started crying, shaking. I'm like, I love you so much. And you made my life so much easier when I was in high school. And he was, I made him so uncomfortable, and he was so nice. Um, but yeah, it was, I, I loved that show and you're right. It does destroy the, your ability to watch any movie, especially bad movies for forever, um, in a good way. And so now I'm, I'm all, I want to like, I remember when the pandemic first started, I'm like, let's watch like some really bad horror movies, like Chopping Mall or, or oh, Chopping Mall rules. <laughs> <laughs> we Great movie. watching Chud. <laughs> I haven't seen oh. Shud yet. It's on my list. Oh yeah, that's it's uh, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be, but not not great, that's for sure. But yeah, I I that kind of comedy, that kind of um, I, I I it's intelligent but also goofy at the same time um, type of of comedy just really hit me uh, in a, in a special way. You know, back when I was like fourteen or fifteen years old. You know, watching Gamera movies. And... Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it definitely helped uh, form my my nerdiness. <laughs> it also made me, it gave me a lot more appreciation for things that were lower budget because I knew mm -hmm. that like when they were making the show, like they actually, like this was the budget. Like they were not looking to exceed it. Like even if the show was, <laughs> at, even if it was so successful, but even with that, they were like, yeah, we're not really going to dump any money into the production of it because we need to keep it like we need to keep it low, uh, probably so they can get the movie rights, uh, honestly. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> but um, I watched a little bit of the new stuff and it didn't hit exactly the same way for me. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. There's something special about those for, for me anyways, those early seasons with with Joel and, and some of them with Mike as well. They, they didn't really know what they were doing. They were making it up as they went along. And that's, that's I think, one of the things that made it special is there was no formula that they had to follow at the time. I'm not saying that there is now, but you know how it is. It's like when you see your band that you love, like, in their prime, and then you see them 20 years later on their reunion tour, and you're like, this is great, but it was so much better before. But that's <laughs> not to say that it's bad. It's just a little different. Yeah, you know, they they can't hit those high notes and they can't shred as fast as they as they used to be able to. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say it it is definitely has that sort of long long standing band sort of idea where you think like uh oh, kind of the glory years are sort of like gone and they're always going to be there and I'm always going to be able to go listen to like those albums or and you know, maybe now thanks to the internet, you can see like the old footage of the band. It'd be funny if you were like, "Oh, I I, I checked out the old footage. It turns out this band sucked all along." But um, <laughs> no, but no, I'm 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 being I'm being facetious. Like, I think that that is there's definitely a similarity there. And again, also just like the low budget nature of it. I mean, you have all these small independent bands, and they're like, "No, we want to keep costs." low so we can go tour and try to make some more actual money you know because we're not making money off spotify 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like I, I don't, you know, in, from my generation, probably yours to now it's the, and I, I'm not a musician. I, I don't play music. I've never been in the industry. I, I can't imagine how a band actually makes money these days. If record sales are virtually nil with the costs that I would assume that a tour incurs, I'm assuming then it's literally merch, you know, that they're living and dying by t-shirts, which is just crazy to me. It's just unreal. You know, I'll watch those old, you know, documentaries on, you know, whatever band about, oh, and they got, you know, $15 million signing bonus and, you know, 18 record contract with this record company. And that just, I mean, that just isn't happening anymore. You know, um, no. I, I just, I, I've always been curious, like what, what is the best way for me as a fan to support a band? Is it, do I buy your music? Do I buy your merch? Do, do I buy a concert ticket? Like what, if I have like this amount of money and I want to make sure that you get it so you can put food on your table, what do I do? Yeah. And I mean, you know, luckily you have, again, like I bring it up all the time. You have a platform like Bandcamp where like, yeah, they have to collect some money for their own purposes, but you know, it is more money going directly to an artist than living mm -hmm. off of streaming, which, you know, some people can do it depending on what they do. Um, but not, not the band, certainly not the bands that I listen to, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> right? I mean, it, it is merch and I mean like independent tours, like, yeah, they're costly, but it's, it is another way for them to like make more income these days. But yeah, all, all that is, you know, that's all gone. And I mean, even if you look at the, like the more mainstream musicians, I mean, every year it's like there's so much turnover i mean and there's tons of new bands every year too like even on like yeah. the independent level but there's going to be people that just sort of operate on that space but it's very easy for someone there to get noticed in another way i mean you just gotta go viral so and like you know i'm sure part you know that's definitely like happened but it's it's not the way it used to be that's for damn sure no no it is not um you know, kind of to that, to that point, one of the things that I kind of realized when I got back home from, and I, I, I apologize if I keep, you know, harping on this, but when I came back from Psycho 19, I was like, I was excited, but I was also like kind of uh, frustrated because I had just been introduced to a, a dozen, at least a dozen brand new bands to me that I had never heard of them. I had never heard their music. And I'm thinking, how many more bands are like this out there that I'm just not aware of? How, how can I like discover them? There's all this music out there waiting for me to listen to, for me to consume somehow. I don't know where to, where to go almost, you know? And that's, that's one thing I will say for Spotify, you know, you, you pop in like, oh, I like this artist. And then they'll give you, you know, kind of a, a a mix of, of similar artists, but yeah, I mean, I don't know how, how these independent bands do it. I mean, that's gotta be just a legit love for music or performing. It's cause it certainly isn't for the money. It's not for the, the, the rest and relaxation associated with touring in a van. <laughs> no, so it's, it's, it's it, living it, that moment. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So yeah, it, it just makes me want to hunt out more new music even more another thing that always gets mentioned here is that when people do go to these smaller shows or even and you know or even like a more like kind of focused 
audience like you get with the Psycho Las Vegas. Like a lot of people that go are involved in some other way. They're in another band. They they're a writer. They're a journalist. They're uh, they they do they do a dumb podcast. Uh, <laughs> you know something to that degree where it's just like a big scene of people coming together and it's just the reality is you kind of need another job to be able to do this. You know, I just talked to a guy, Aaron from red beer ball in Texas. And he's like, I have a job and a lot of that money and you know, not all of it, but he's like, but I, that job is so I can do this because I actually love doing this. Yeah, for sure. I, and that kind of, that was certainly something that like when I was, you know, a kid listening to, you know, Motley Crue and all those guys, those guys didn't have day jobs, you know, when they're on the cover of Pitch Radio. No. Now, like, I turn on, like, you know, oh, like, I discovered, like, Elder a couple of years ago. And I'm learning that, like, yeah, we're living in Chicago. We're, you know, we're, you know, so-and-so's got this job and so-and-so has this day job. And I'm like, wait, wait, what? This isn't full-time. What? And it just sort of dawned on me that, like, this is, like, their this is their passion. This is what they do. They don't necessarily make money from this. And that just, that just blew my mind. And and I'm, you know, as, as maybe as ignorant or sheltered as, as I may be with that, it just coming up in a generation where like your rock stars were like zillionaires and never had to, you know, worry about a, a care in the world again to now the musicians I listen to are like, yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a web designer when I'm not touring. That just was like, yeah, that's definitely kind of a, a an awakening to like, okay, here's why you need to buy something from them to provide them, help provide them with the means to continue making this art, whether it's a shirt, whether you, you buy the physical music, you buy the concert ticket, something. Yeah, no, that's, it, that is 100% true. Like virtually every person I've talked to, I'm like, they all have like another job. And I'm like, and that to me, it's like, I would never judge them for that because I'm just like, oh, that just absolutely means like, not. it means yeah. you're human, you know, you, you're doing what you need to do to feel that. And like, that reminds me, it's like, you, you do like, you know, you have your feet on the ground you have your head on straight. You probably, you kind of have a little bit more perspective compared to somebody. I mean, like, you know, we were talking about Metallica, some kind of monster, like they had no idea how to be people. They were just kids and they became famous, you know? They should have had a, you know what they should have done? They should have had a manager that was a lady. And maybe they did, but I feel like that would have really helped. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I don't know if James Hetfield, like a 21-year-old James Hetfield, wow. I don't know how that would have gone. I'm not saying anything about James, but, you know, I just recall him being quite the wild man. Well, everyone was actually back then, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I know that like a, a woman managed, you know, some of those, um, some of the Seattle bands are for a while for like Alice in Chains and I think Soundgarden. Yeah, that's that's wild. It when when that kind of fame like hits you so fast and you know again I'm totally talking out of my ass because I don't know that it's just a, a shock. Like you said, like you're trying to, to deal with people and now like you're trying to unload Basquiat's. What what happened? <laughs> it's, exactly. A, it's quite the spam. <laughs> it is. But before we uh, wrap up, have uh, you been listening to anything at the moment that you're really loving? I, I can't say enough good things about Midnight. I know I've been listening to a lot of them ever since uh, ever since I got back from Psycho. Gosh, what else have I been listening to? I, I do go back to Clutch quite a bit. I just think their whole catalog is just stellar. Um, I picked up a few, I picked up a Venom record the other day, so 
I'll, I'll need to give that a listen here shortly. Oh gosh, who was it? Who was it? Um, oh, they played this year. Um, Mothership. Oh mm-hmm. my God, that is such a good record. I, we got their, I can't remember the name of it. They were phenomenal. I was too tired to watch them uh, at Psycho this this past go around, but my husband stayed up for me. He said they were, they were just killing it, that they were phenomenal. So yeah, Mothership. They're fun. I've seen them before. Yeah. He proposed to his uh, fiance <laughs> at Psycho. I saw the video oh, of it. Wait, you did? Or the guy Mothership? Well, I just saw it on Instagram. I was, <laughs> I was like I said, yeah, no, I wasn't like surprised. I was actually there. <laughs> um, no, no, I saw that. I was like, that's pretty rad. Yeah, I, I saw them a couple of years ago on like, a C, like opening up on a COC tour. And mm, uh, we okay. went downstairs and got some of their merch. Uh, and this guy was there with this kid. And he tried, he was like, oh, can I, can I get, uh, can I take my son's picture? He's like, yeah. And his phone was just not working. And the guy just had to be like this for like five minutes. Just like, oh no. Oh, that's the just worst. Like, yep. Meanwhile, I'm just like, we just want to buy a patch. <laughs> and I'm like, would you like me to take a picture, sir? It was very oh, that's uncomfortable. So nice of you. That's so nice. I, you know, I've only, I, I've met one, well, I, I've met two rock stars, but like my, I got to meet Neil Fallon once after a show. I, I was going to meet him and someone like styles me and says, can you take our picture real quick? I'm like, yeah, yes. sure. And I can, here we go. And I felt weird about like getting my picture taken with Neil just because I, I don't know, I would rather like have a conversation with someone than, than have the picture. But um yeah, thankfully there was no like super cringy moment of wait, my camera's not working. Let me let me reboot it. <laughs> but I I gotta say he was just the nicest guy. He didn't have to be a nice guy, and he was just a, a incredibly nice. Yeah, I I met him a while like a while ago, like back in college. I went to an event and like a clutch event, um, like an in studio thing. It was really cool. So I just got a quick, very shitty picture with him. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he was a nice dude. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Very, very cool. Uh, let me see. What have I listened to? I uh, was very surprised to see that there was a new Hawkwind album this out this year, which I blew my saw mind. That. Yeah, that was pretty I, wild. Have you heard it? Yeah, I, I listened to it. I thought it was fantastic. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't really sound like old Hawkwind, which is probably a sure. good thing. Um, it's definitely <laughs> it's definitely been given a very modern touch but there's it's all there like all the psychedelia all the space rock all the weird keyboards and synth it's there i would strongly recommend mm-hmm. checking it out um awesome yeah it, I'll it's definitely, definitely check it, out. it is definitely not like a just a retro throwback stuck in the the 60s type sound and then um there's another band that they've they put out a few other records early like a few years ago um they're called low flying hawks and it's like this they're not really that weird of a band. They're definitely like sort of like a post-rocky doom metal band, but like very layered and dense. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Dale Crover does drumming for them. So it's oh, like nice. two very inc- incredible uh, guitar players. I think it's two very, uh, two guitar players who are very, very talented and a bassist and mm-hmm. uh, Dale Crover. I mean, it's, and I want to say it's, I want to say it's Trevor un maybe in that band i'm not sure don't quote me on that one <laughs> well cool no, i'll definitely have to check that out 
Yes, it is uh, Trevor Dunn, who's done work with um, Mr. Bungle and the Melvins before, too. So, but yeah, fantastic records. Really like them. It's been a surprisingly good about, I mean, every year I say I'm surprised because I always leave the year be like, wow, those are some incredible records. But yeah, there's been a lot of shit dropping this year that's been pretty goddamn good. Even the yeah. new, new Carcass album was pretty goddamn good. You so know what got, got me? What helped me get through the the pandemic was uh, two minutes to late night. That got me. Oh yeah, the yeah. Pandemic. Their covers, especially their cover of Anthem. Holy cow! They I did a cover the of. Um, they did a typo cover with Dorothea from Windhand that like was unreal. It just like gave yep. that song like a whole new, just gave me a whole new perspective on that song. It oh, sounded oh, like sure. so cool and different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did some amazing arrangements and. Yeah, I, I know with everyone, like you said, dropping stuff for uh, for 2021, you know, after being cooped up for a year and a half or whatever, um, having those like little little drops every now and then was was definitely uh, welcoming. Absolutely. And uh, lastly, should note that as of today as well, uh, your pooch is cancer-free, which is great. He is cancer-free, yes. He had a bladder cancer and they said it was inoperable and uh, we were able to get the tumor shrunk to a place where um it was small enough to uh have surgery and that was a year ago and so yeah he's he's cancer free still after a year so more more treats and goodness and snoring from from my dog max named after max cavalera nice well he's <laughs> I'm, I'm very happy for him uh, well thank he, you my, my mom wound up getting a dog during the pandemic he is a big mix of a bunch of other things and she named him after the dude from the big lebowski oh. <laughs> that's fantastic i love it <laughs> yeah awesome uh is there anything that you want to plug uh anything that you do um uh, you have like an alternate account for uh where you post your records and whatnot yeah i do it's uh it's 505 vinyl on instagram um i post you know records on, on occasion when i when i procure them my Instagram, if anyone wants to follow me, it's at shodge, S-H-O-D-G-7-4. I think that's it. There's just a bunch of shenanigans and tomfoolery. I usually just keep it pretty light. <laughs> Sometimes that's needed. Yes, agreed. <laughs> agreed. Well, thank you for coming on this evening. It was a real pleasure to meet you and talk to you and shoot shit about yeah. music. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. No problem. So, and uh, stay safe out there and all that good stuff. And that'll do it for this chapter of the diary.